Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the floor. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Fadi P. I'm a sexaholic, originally from the United States, now living in Israel. Um, I am so grateful to be here. I am scared to speak. I hate speaking. Um, my defects of perfectionism always crop up. I've probably like thought about the meeting and what I'm speaking about 15 times throughout the day and had to like, you know, calm myself like God's going to speak. God's going to speak. It's not me speaking. God's going to speak through me. So, you know, I, I need to do this. I need to share my message. And I was asked to do service. So that's what God wants me to do. So that's, you know, my prayer for tonight is that, you know, I can share God's message and um, and it's your will, it's not mine. And um, I I was told not to not to prepare anything, and I should just like speak all the top of my head. And I was like, no, like my will, my will. And I now I know it's my will. I'm gonna I'm gonna write down some stuff. And I wrote some stuff down in my notes on my phone. And then last night, after writing it down, meaning in the middle of the night, somehow my phone something with a rebooting and something happened. And, and, and it's probably going to have to be factory reset. So God said, I'm wiping away all your notes. You're not speaking from notes today. So that's not my will. It's not my will. You know, there goes God's will for me. Um, so I have no notes. I mean, I wrote some stuff down here just that I remember just to keep me slightly focused, but no notes that I, you know, prepared in advance. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about my story and then I'll go into um, a slight topic um, theme. I was asked to do. Um, I was an addict probably from the age of eight. Um, I remember always being somehow I was always drawn to and always obsessed with, you know, with, with sex. And I don't know what to call it sex, but like with, with, a, with the body parts, with the private parts, with the genitals, I was always obsessed with that. Meaning as a child, just, just naturally drawn to it. I remember having, um, you know, fantasies involving, involving being raped which is um, which is crazy for a child to experience when which I, I've never you know experienced that thank God um, um, you know it started out as just you know be, being obsessed with it and eventually got to you know masturbation discovering that which was like the hallelujah moment of my life like this is the solution this is so awesome and obviously my childhood um, like many of us was wasn't a very pleasant experience. I needed to escape a lot. Um, I escaped through books. I escaped through fantasy. I escaped through masturbation. Um, my parents were, you know, now I know to call it abuse, but at that point I didn't know that. Um, it was it was hard. It was a difficult childhood, and and today I can thank God for it because that's the journey that I needed to go through. Um, but at that point in in time, I needed ways to escape. I needed to, you know push and numb away my pain. So I turned to masturbation. Eventually that wasn't enough. And, um, you know, I eventually discovered pornography as well. And, you know, that's when it all like escalated like very quickly. Um, my problem with pornography wasn't that it was porn. I think I realized that it was a problem when I couldn't do without it, when I was like one night, I remember babysitting uh, at my aunt's house and I'm like reaching for my phone and I'm like, I don't have any internet connection. I don't have any Wi-Fi. Like, what am I going to do? What the hell do I do? And I reached out to a friend who you know, knew I was struggling somewhat. And she's like, girl, I, I think you've got a problem. And I was like, do I, you know, like, I don't, you know, she's like, I think you might be addicted to this stuff. And I was like, like, maybe, okay, fine. Maybe, I don't know. Like, I just, I just need it now. And I, and that's what, that was when I realized that, you know, this might be a bigger problem than, than I thought it, it was up to that point. 
I, for me, I thought pornography wasn't as bad. It was just like the masturbation that was really, really terrible. You know, my religion is, is pretty against um, masturbation. So I had a lot of shame surrounding that. I've, I tried stopping by myself since, um, you know, since the age of like 10, 11, 12. And um, obviously that was like, oh, tomorrow, the next day, you know, um, that that didn't exactly happen. But um once I realized it was a problem, you know, once you realize it's a problem, then that, that bug in your head keeps on going. Like maybe, like maybe there's something wrong. Maybe I need help. Maybe, you know, I need to reach out to someone. And, um, I reached out to, I, I switched therapists at that point, And I told my therapist, I was addicted to pornography. She's like, okay. She's like, yeah, that's a problem. And I told her, I think I'm addicted to masturbation as well. And I'm compulsively masturbating. And she's like, that's not a problem. Like that's, that's just what people do. People masturbate. And I was like, I don't think so. But like, if she gives me the blank card of like, okay, this is totally fine. Yeah. And I masturbated without guilt for a while, which was really nice, but it was, but, but it it didn't last very long because um, the shame pursues us. The shame really pursues us. And um, eventually after two years, I think it was two and a half years of therapy, my, my, um, my therapist realized it was a big problem. And she was like, you better get into, you better get into a program she, she kind of put down her foot and said, I can't, you know, I can't um, be your therapist anymore if you don't start a program. So I, I went into program and at first I was really, you know, shameful about that. And I didn't, I wasn't going to go to essay, like essay was like a no, no. So I started with like AA open meetings and I went to AA open meeting because like I need program, but like not SA, like that was too scary for me. So I did AA, I went to some, you know, women's only open meetings. Um, then I started off in, in, I went to an SAA meeting and that's where I started my, my sobriety. And after, you know, being in SAA for a while, I, I moved to, for about roughly about a year, I moved to Israel and I moved into SA and um, just, just naturally, cause that, you know, there was a bigger program of SA in Israel and um, my sobriety definition was the same. And I realized there was a lot of strong sobriety in SA, and I started resonating with a lot of stuff that I was hearing. Um, certain things took me a while to, you know, accept. SA doesn't talk a lot about lust, and for me, you know, hearing about lust was for like the first time. I never heard about that in a meeting. Was like, okay, do I have lust in my life? Like, where where can I find that? Like, where is it? And it, was, it came really fast. I was like, oh, that and that and that and that. It's like when I'm on the street and I see this guy, and I'm like, oh you know, that it just, it goes so fast. And I'm like, oh, do I have lost my life? And I'm really grateful for God for leading me into SA. Um, um, I want to talk a bit about my program um, and and the journey that, you know, in three years, I started, I started off on SAA um, and then I moved to SA. And then during COVID, I was back in States and I was without my meetings. And obviously there was the Zoom meetings, but somehow my sobriety just lapsed a bit and I didn't lose my sobriety, but I wasn't living the steps. I really wasn't living, um, living the steps. I wasn't doing step 11. I wasn't doing step tens and I was going to meetings. I was talking to fellows. So I did, I did somehow stay sober, but after I moved back to Israel afterwards and I realized something's, you know, something's not going well and there's discomfort in my life. I'm not connecting. I feel disconnected. And, um, and I started walking, working a stronger program once I got back into Israel and into my face-to-face meetings. Um, and one of the things that I realized that was really disturbing me was that I wasn't accepting my life as I, as you know, as it was. And 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 for me, acceptance has been like a really strong theme throughout my you know sobriety journey. Um, I lost my train of thought. For for a lot of time in in I mean since I've heard of this prayer, it's not a prayer, but it's just a saying. It's a it's a paragraph on page 417. I really I connected with that right away. And that's the acceptance, you call it acceptance prayer, but it's just a paragraph. And I want to read it um, right now. And, and go through that because for me, that was like one of the biggest things um, in program that taught me 
you know, why I wasn't, why I hadn't been sober up to that point, why I was running away from my problems, why I wasn't, you know, why I became an addict is I wasn't accepting life as it was. And um, as an addict, I, I love to fight reality. I hate reality. I really don't like it. I don't like, I didn't like who my mom was. I didn't like who my dad was. I didn't like my, you know, my work exactly. There were so many things in my life that I was just like fighting against. I didn't like that. I didn't accept that. And um, so I, I want to read it and like go through, go through it a bit. And it starts and acceptance is the answer to all of my problems today. And, and, and I love this sentence because it doesn't, it doesn't say to most of my problems. It doesn't, it doesn't say that it says to all of my problems. And the word all is, is in, is in italics. And to me, that tells me that there's not a single problem in my life that doesn't have to do with not accepting it. If, if there's a problem in my life, if I'm uncomfortable, if I am disturbed, it has to be that I'm not accepting something. And um, that's like pretty simple. Like, oh, there's a problem in my life. Oh, it means there's something that I'm not accepting. So it's not complicated. It's, it's straight on simple. And this program is simple. And it's I'm not accepting something. I don't have to go digging anywhere deep down. What's this big problem in my life? Why am I feeling like this? I'm not accepting something. And that's the problem. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me, and I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. And um, this is a really difficult one. (laughs) This is very difficult. If I don't accept it, I will not find peace. I will not find serenity. And that's what I realized during COVID was when I wasn't accepting things, I wasn't accepting, you know, what was going on. I wasn't accepting situations. I wasn't accepting, you know, the the politics at the moment. And I was getting so angry and so passionate. And I was, you know, just uncomfortable and disturbed. I wasn't accepting it. I wasn't accepting. And this is what God wanted at the moment. I can't, you know, I can't understand why. And it's not a question for me to ask. But this is what it is. And my role in life is to accept what God's will is and then take action from there. And um, and and for me, I have to remember, and this is a sentence here, nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistakes. I can't say God made a mistake. There's a reason. I don't know it, but there's a reason. And that's, that's what I have to rely on. Um, until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. So here it's, it's, it's telling me like in order for me to accept my, I have to accept my, my disease in order to stay sober. And then it goes on, unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. So in order for me to accept, to, to be sober, I need to accept my disease, but in order for me to be happy, I need to be accepting of life exactly the way life is right now. And knowing that life needs to be that way right now, um, I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. And I love to talk about what I can change, how I can change the world. Like, I I am great at telling politicians what to do. I am great at telling everyone in the world what they need to do to change. I can tell my sponsee what she needs to change. I can tell my spouse what he needs to do in order to change. Um, I can go on and on about what my mom needs to do in order to change, but that's not my role here. My role is to do what I need to change. What can I do? What can I do? And it's not what I, it's not even my will. It's what's God's will is for me to do. You know, what is God's will for me to do? And God's will is not for me to change other people because that doesn't work. God's will is for me to work on myself on accepting who they are and where they are right now, that that is exactly where they are meant to be at this moment. And, and for me, um, one big one was accepting my mom as she is right now. And um, I, I really wish I can change who she is. I really wish that she can be loving. I wish that I can feel secure with her. I wish she could, you know, not, you know, not be condescending towards me or dismiss my feelings. But this is where she is. And I need to accept that I will not be getting any love from her. I will not be getting my needs met through her. And the only way I can get my needs for, for love and acceptance. And, you know, all those things are through God and I need to know, and I needed to accept that. And and a a big thing that I needed to come to terms with is why am I not accepting things? What's blocking? What's, what's, what are the obstacles in my path to acceptance? And that's not only with my mom, but that's throughout my life. Whenever I'm not accepting something, I need to ask myself, I stop and ask myself, why am I not accepting this? And a lot of times there's, it's fear-based, it's fear-based, it's an unlimiting, it's a limiting belief. Um, it's something that's telling me that 
if I accept it, then I'm going to lose out on something. Something's going to change that I don't want it to change. Um, in, in the example of my mom, if I accept who she is, does that mean I'm letting go of what she did? Like, does that make the things that she did right? Like, if I accept my past the way it is, is it right? And and it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. But I need to overcome that. I need to get past that. And a big, a big part of the way I work acceptance is... Um, I had to go back to therapy. I had to go back to therapy and, and work through those things, work through those issues and really face them. Like, why am I so scared to accept? And um, I think it's a very, you know, it's a very important thing because if I don't accept, then I will not have emotional sobriety. And for me, my sexual sobriety is a gift. I love it. But if I'm not emotionally sober, then, then there's no point to this. There's almost no point to this. Um, I need to be able to be at peace in my body. I need to be be able to be at peace with everything around me and with God. And if I don't have that, then then it's like I'm an active addiction. It's not, you know, I'm not crazily harming people and I'm not crazily harming myself, but I'm not, I'm harming myself in the way that I don't have connection to my higher power because I'm fighting reality. I'm fighting, you know, I'm not allowing myself to accept, you know, what needs to be accepted. Um an important way that I work acceptance in my everyday, every, my everyday life is doing steps one, two, and three every single morning. I, I wake up and I say, God, I am powerless. And I say, I'm powerless over my mom. I am powerless over my spouse. I am powerless over myself. I am powerless over my resentments, over my emotions, over my fears. And I go through all the things that I'm powerless over. And then I say, God, I can't, I can't, but you can, you can. And, um, and then I surrender. And, and the important thing that I, I have found about surrender is that I can't surrender things that I don't accept. If I don't accept it, how can I surrender it? I can't give up something that I don't admit is reality. If I keep fighting the fact that my plans today change, then I can't surrender them. Um, um, and that and that's a big one for me as well. I need to remember that, you know, that I have to accept things and then. I have the capacity to surrender them. Um, I remember there was one evening that was pretty recently where me and my husband made plans to go out. It was going to be like our special day. We were going to go out and then the babysitter, I think my daughter wasn't feeling well. The babysitter canceled and I was just so bummed and I was, you know, not, not in an emotional sobriety, you know, presence of mind. And I was just like upset and I was like blowing at everyone. And, and then I spoke to, to a fellow in program and she's like, okay, like, okay. So your plans didn't work out. Okay. So what are you going to do about that? Like, like, you know, what actions are you going to take? And I was like, what do you mean? What actually I'm going to take? I'm mad. Like, she's like, write a resentment, do this. And I'm like, it took me, I remember going to the bathroom and just like getting down on my knees. And I was just like, God, this is the situation. Like I got to accept, this is the reality. I got to stop fighting it. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do that. You know, I'm just going to be mad and blow in and, and start blaming. And this is a situation. I got down on my knees and I was like, God, this is it. And, and help me accept that. Like, I need to ask God, help me accept that this is the reality and it's not going to change because realities don't change. The only thing I can change is how I react to that reality and my response. And, and it took 10 minutes or 15 minutes or, you know, whatever time it took. And, and eventually I was able to accept it and then surrender it and say, God, I give it up to you. Like, it's okay. Reality is not going to be the way I want it to be. No, this is it. Um, but it takes time. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't work every single day for me. It works every other day. And that's, it's good enough for me because sobriety is a journey and it's a journey of growth. And, and what I got to do is, you know, try to grow. There was a, I mentioned there was a year and a half, almost a year and a half in my program that I didn't work steps 10 and 11. And, um, and I used to beat myself up about that. Like I used to, you know, blame myself. Why couldn't I, why didn't I do that? Also acceptance of self. I need to accept that this was the reality. This was something I needed to go through and it's only made my recovery stronger since. So it's acceptance of myself, where I am at the moment. I'm not perfect. My speech is not going to be perfect today. I know I'm going to mess up in some way and, and that's fine. I need to accept that I'm imperfect, that the world is imperfect 
And, um, and that's, you know, that's all I have. It's acceptance. I need to accept life and life's terms every day. I need to accept God's will for me and, and not fight it. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Thank you so much, Freddie, for your share. I really enjoyed listening to you. And you shared about the problem. You, you are facing the problem with your mother. I am facing a very bad problem with my family and my Travis recently suggested me to keep a distance from my family to stop any relationship with them and it's so much difficult for me and every day I feel guilty every night I feel uh, guilty and I, I think of them and Sometimes I don't think uh, if I'm doing the right thing or not, but several times before I tried to make, to have a good relationship with them, but it didn't work. So what do you think and what is your experience about that? Thank you so much. Hi, thank you for your question. Um, I can only share from my experience. You know, I, I haven't gone through a, a major separation where I needed to you know, distance myself. Thank God I, I moved to Israel so that that put the natural distance between us, um, which which definitely made a difference. So distance distance does, you know, it, it does something good for relationships at times. You know, it is important. Um, from my experience, I found that that I've become, you know, codependent with 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 my mother, meaning whenever there's a healthy, unhealthy relationship and relationship dynamic you know, something, it affects us. And just like, you know, this is a family disease. So something, something was going on there that was affecting my mom. I brought out the worst of my mom. Definitely. Um, she doesn't have the same relationship that she has with me, with my other siblings. And like, why is that? I don't know. Maybe it has to do with me, you know, but I found that I, the reason why it was difficult for me to accept who she was, was because I was still wanting things from her. I still needed, I still wanted that sense of love, that sense of acceptance, the validation. I wanted her to, you know, tell me that she loves me unconditionally. And, and I needed to come to terms and accept that that was never going to happen for me. Like I needed to come to terms that she was never going to say, I love you. She was never going to give me, you know, she might say it, but I, it's not going to, you know, I won't feel that that she actually means it deep from a deep place. She's going to hug me and it's going to feel like I'm being enveloped by like God, you know, and, and in a sense, I've probably made her into my God, meaning in my childhood, I probably, you know, portrayed her as a sort of God in my life, figure in my life. Um, and I need to come to terms with that in order to accept the fact that my relationship will never be the way I, I would like it to be. And, you know, it's not my will, it's God's will, what the relationship to be, and I need to do my part. And, and for me, my part, and this was difficult for me, you know, to come to terms with as well, was that I stopped sharing, you know, personal stuff with her. My relationship right now consists of talking about shopping, talking about clothes, talking about weights, talking about, you know, all the basic, you know, woman stuff that we women talk about, and all external stuff and nothing personal, nothing deep. And it's all shallow stuff. And for me, that was very difficult to, to accept um, because I wanted that deeper connection. But I, I knew that every single time I, you know, I tried, it just hurt me. It hurt me. And I knew I needed to put that distance between us emotionally for me to be able to heal. And maybe in the future, I will have the emotional fortitude to go ahead and, and try to repair that relationship, try to reconnect emotionally as well. And and I need to be strong enough when I do that, which is why I think the distance part right now is so important for, for the relationship because I need to first heal. And only once I'm healed, can I then go and try to, you know, make my amends, my living amends, and then, you know, pursue that relationship again in a deeper way. Um, and I guess I, I don't, I'm not your therapist. I'm not your, your mentor or your guide or your sponsor. So I can't tell you, I, I don't know your situation personally, but maybe that's God's will for you right now. Maybe it's good for you to actually have that distance and, and accept that there's going to be some distance in the relationship. And in the future, you know, hopefully you, you could repair that. Thank you. Thanks, Hamid, for the question and Bradley for responding. Uh, let's see. 
Uh, Hans D, you're up next. Hey everyone, my name is Hans, sexaholic. Fradi, thank you so much for your very honest um, and strong program. Um, sounds like you're doing all the right things. It takes a while. Oh my gosh. I've spent so much time trying to figure all that out. And the bottom line is I'm powerless over people, places, and things. What I've tried to do is uh, just have the courage to change and do the very best I can with you know what's placed in front of me. Having a solid program, having this place to turn to, having all the people in the program to talk to, I don't have to be alone anymore. And, um, you know, I shared, I just had a birthday. Yes, and, you know, the, yeah, the best thing um, is that I was able to raise my family in a sober home. And my kids are great and they call all the time and their lives are intact. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that. My question is, um, what other actions have you been taking to, um, you know, improve your conscious contact besides prayer? Hi, thanks. Thanks for your share. Thanks for your question. And I'm thinking, what other stuff have you been doing? And one thing that comes to mind is I've been trying to really you know, take a few minutes every morning to just become still. And there's this really thing. Thank you, God, for this really beautiful garden that I have downstairs in my apartment building. And there's this fish pond where I sit, like I drop my daughter off at school. And then I go and I sit for a few minutes. doesn't happen every day, but I try to make it a, a daily thing where I go and I sit there and I just like look at the pond and get still and try to notice things and just just become still within my body. So then, you know, I can, I, I open myself to, 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 to hear God in, in a more, um, um, in a clearer form, I guess. Um, that's, I, I guess, yeah, that's what I've been trying to do lately. Thank you, Hans, for the question. And Fradi, in, in the chat, uh, Fradi, we have uh, one person who's asking for your number and I'm thinking that maybe uh, that person could go through Nancy to get your number. Would that be sure. appropriate? Yeah, I mean, if if you don't mind, and I put, I can share my number on the chat as well. Yeah, if you're okay with that, that yeah. that's fine, fine as well. Otherwise, this person could go through Nancy to get your information. Okay. All right. Um, we are still have the floor open for for questions. And I can't see everyone. I don't have any hands up currently, but uh, feel free to to speak up if you have a question. Christina M says, "Wonderful share, thanks." And uh, we had someone who had to leave earlier, Katrin from Germany. She said, "So sorry, but I have to leave. Something's come up." Thank you for the meeting, and thank you to Friday for the courage to share. So. So the floor is still open. Hi, Daniel. Nancy. Go ahead, Nancy. Yeah, um, I can really relate to, really relate to, um, in the moment, when I can't accept the situation, um, the importance of noticing <laughs> that I don't accept the situation. Um, there was a situation not too long ago. Um, I have I had a support dog and she was dying and I didn't like that and I couldn't control it. Um, and she was upset by the fact that I didn't want to let her go. In the middle of dying, she was trying not to die. And I remember standing there and saying, okay, God, okay, God, I cannot change this. I can't change this. I'm just going to be with her. And um, I'm facing, it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful, probably for an hour. We just, just, just looked at each other. Um, I'm in the middle of a situation now where I Hi. can't. Um, are there tricks or the things that you do? Concrete actions that you take when you can't control and you're trying to surrender things. Thanks for your question. 
um, things that I do when I can control. So like you said, it's important to notice it. And that's, that's one of the hardest parts is to notice when you're in a situation. Cause you go. So I go so fast into that, into that like craziness of like, uh, 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 I don't want this. I don't want this. You know, like I hate this. I, you know, and I'm blowing at everyone. And I, I, and I'm, and I'm trying to think because I had a similar situation happening now with my, my phone that stopped working. And I had my phone that fell down a few months ago and the screen broke and my daughter had thrown it down and I got so upset and I didn't know what to do at that time. And I just escaped for like an hour with like playing some dumb game on the computer. And now when my phone broke, I was like, okay, okay. And I, I was able to deal with it. I was able to deal with it. So that's, you know, I'm slowly seeing my program growing. But um, what what I do when I'm faced with that, like I I don't want to. Is I really I need I can write I can write it down. I really need to talk it over with someone. Really need to talk it over with someone, and just like you know share that share the you know what's going on and have someone else sometimes tell me like, hey, you know get a grip like this is reality. <laughs> You can't change it. You got to face it and, and, you know, see what you can do, if you can do something about it or not, you know, accept the things I cannot change. And then the courage change the things I can, if I can't start trying to have the courage to change things, if I don't accept the things that I can change, because then I don't know the difference between the things that I can change and the things that I can't change. Um, it gets all mixed up in my head. So I first need to acknowledge this is, this is what I, I can change. And it takes time. Really. It takes time. I mean, it, I had a situation with my husband where we we couldn't be intimate for a while. And um, it took me a half a day to be okay with that. Every single time, you know, it happens. We have religious separations. Um, it, it takes time, you know, it takes me an hour or two and I'm okay with that because I know it's going to eventually pass. So yeah, I won't accept it at the moment, but I know I will accept it eventually. Um, and, and it's a process I need to go through. Same, like if, if I push away and not my feelings, then it's going to come up somewhere else. It's going to show up somewhere and show up in a physical form. It's going to show up, you know, and me being irritable. Um, I, I need to acknowledge that. And sometimes it takes time and, and it's fine. And I need to know that it's okay. I'll be in a bad mood now for two hours, but I'm going to accept it afterwards. Meaning sometimes it's just coming to terms with that. And it, it takes time. It's not going to be a one, two, three, I'm faced with an issue. And then like two seconds later, I'm, I'm all good and fine. And it's God's will and I'm surrendering it. And it, it, it's in reality, it's not like that. Meaning it takes time and, and I have to be okay with knowing that it's, it is going to take, it's going to take some time. And um, yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, next up, Rasna. Thank you, Dan. Uh, hi, Freddie. This is Rachna from India, uh, recovering and blessed lustaholic and sexaholic. Uh, thank you so much for your honest and uh, amazing share and how you practice everything in your life and day-to-day things and everything. Uh, I loved uh, and so much connected with the uh, paragraph because I have a poster in front of me just near the dining, the acceptance portion. I love it. I can't tell you how much I love that portion because my sponsor. Here's the seconds. Thanks. My sponsor has put me to read that every day until I accept few things. I read it daily, first thing in the morning. Uh, so my question is, uh, you started your share with the word perfectionism. I relate it so much and I have that big issue how you deal with that on everyday basis thank you thank you I love that you have a poster of that that's an idea I need to do maybe blow it up and put it onto my like above my bed or something um that's a good idea thank you um how I deal with my perfectionism acceptance acceptance of my perfectionism and (laughs) and my in my imperfection as well. But um, it, it also, like I said, it takes time. And and I, I didn't mention earlier, but like I do, I do when I'm faced with something that, you know, I don't like, I do read the acceptance prayer. I go to that and I say acceptance is the answer to all of my problems today, including this problem. Um, let's not forget about that one, you know? So how I deal with my perfectionism, first uncovering why, why I feel like I need to be perfect. And that's, and that's, things that I've done, you know, work in therapy on, like, why do I feel the need to be perfect? Like what's going on for me? 
Um, and it's for me, sometimes it's because I'm not, I feel like a failure or I'm not sure, like I'm going to be, you know, I need to impress someone, um, as a security is because I'm hiding something else. A lot for me, a lot of it was prior when prior to recovery, when I was in active addiction, you know, I, we, I think we all experienced this, that we have, you know, almost like a split personality and to make up for that shame and the guilt and the, the, you know, the horrible pain that I was in. My other side needed to be so perfect. I needed to show this perfect face, and um, and slowly learning to integrate, you know, both selves into myself. Of like, I am an imperfect human being, and that's how I'm meant to be. My work here is to make myself better, not perfect, but better to become better and better and better. If I'm perfect, then my work here is done. Like, why am I here? Um, so you know, just letting myself and and also actively. Like I'll, I'll sometimes work in an actively, like, um, like I, I, I feel this need to impress and be perfect in front of my neighbors. For example, like we have a bunch of women that get together downstairs in the park and, you know, we schmooze with the kids around and, you know, they run around and I used to go down with like, always making sure before going to the mirror and checking, see myself and like, do I look phenomenal? And like, um, you know, and, and, and the entire time I was there, I was just uncomfortable because like, what do I, what do I say? And like, how do I say it? And am I sounding casual enough? Am I sounding, you know, like smart enough and wise or like, what am I saying? And then I, I, I actually like stopped putting on makeup. I stopped, you know, I forced myself not to be perfect and to go to the other extreme of like, I'm okay. The way I am, who I am, like, this is who I am. And, um, and if I accept myself the way I am and who I am, if I love me for who I am and people will learn to love, if I'm comfortable with who I am, people will like me. And um, because a big, big part of the belief of perfectionism, at least for me, is that I need to be perfect in order for people to like me. And, and that's not true. I need to be okay with myself in order for people to like me. And I, if I like, I like myself because I'm God's child and, you know, I need to really like, work on that part of like accepting myself and loving myself. And then once I'm fine with myself, then people will see, you know, who I am. Um, also learning to be, you know, a little more vulnerable with other people, sharing my struggles, not putting up a front of like, Oh, I am so perfect, you know, because that's not relatable. That isn't relatable. And um, we all, you know, have human struggles, whether in the rooms or outside of the rooms and just sharing that makes you human. And, and, and for me learning to let go of that, you know, really consciously like letting go of that and, and working on, you know, not showing up as perfect, you know, leaving something out of my outfit, leaving something out of, you know, sharing something that I'm uncomfortable with um, that, you know, helps to consciously work on, on, on perfectionism. Thanks, Reddy. Thanks so much. Very helpful. We're still open for shares. Yeah. Thank you for that question. Margo's got her hand up. Oh, go ahead, Margo. Hi, everyone. <clears throat> Thank you so much, Fradi, for your share. I really loved it. And I was fascinated by your question, why do I have trouble not, why am I not able to accept this situation? <clears throat> I've been thinking about a um, person that I've had a trouble accepting, um, her behavior toward other people and et cetera, et cetera. It's better now, but I'm, I'm unable to answer that question of why. Um, and maybe because I'm not accepting that the world has pain or something, I don't know. But I wondered if you could give some, a couple of like examples. I know you referred to it a little bit, but um, that just seems so useful to me, thanks. Thanks. Um, so I have an example that popped up. I, my sister was, was recently here and she, I hosted her and she, you know, she broke her foot and it was the whole like drama. But, but what really struck me during that week is I felt really judged. And I was like, like, did she judge me or something, you know, and I was going, I was feeling this judgment. I was like, why, like, why am I not okay with it? What's going on? I was feeling this hurt. And I was like, trying not to show it to her and like trying to, you know, I, I wanted to use the opportunity to, you know, to build a positive, a positive relationship with her. Um, and, and for me, what was helpful was really also like what you said, having that question of like, why am I not accepting this? And like, so 
why am I not accepting my sister and her judgment? I mean, she can judge me. Like that's her, that's her thing. It's not mine. Um, why, why is it bothering me so much? And, um, and, and um, one of my therapists um, shared with me, she, she was like, you, you need to uncover that. You need to go down. What's really going on for you? Like, what does it mean for you when your sister, you know, going through a situation, when your sister's judging you, what does that mean for that? What does that mean for you? What's the fear behind that? What's the limiting belief behind that? And, and, and using the what if, okay, so what if she judges me? So what's going to happen then? You know, what if that happens? What if, uh, you know, my plans don't work out today? What's going to happen? What, what does it mean for me? And, and, and I said, like, it's, it's, it's a lot of times it's a fear. So it's a fear of failure. It's a fear of, you know, and, and then even working with that fear of like fear of judgment, I'm fear of judgment. Why am I, why am I so scared of her judgment? And like, for me, it was because I really respect her and I respect her opinion. And if she says I'm a failure, maybe that means that it's true. And I am a failure. And for me, that was the, that was what was really going on. Am I a failure? And she says that does that mean it's true. And that's why it was so painful for me. And that's why I was unable to accept. And once I was able to realize that, it was easier for me to let it go. It was easier for me to accept who she was right now. That she's 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 still a sick person in a certain sense, you know, I, and I can't change that. And if she's judging me, then that's that's her. And it doesn't mean that I'm a failure. It doesn't mean that what she says is true because, because I know my value. I know my value and my value comes from God and she can't change that. Wonderful. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And uh, folks with fewer than 30 days are welcome to raise your virtual hand. And Tamana, you are up next. Hi, I'm Tamana from India. And I'm very new in this, in this program, just four months old. And uh, I have a question. Uh, hi, Freddie. Thanks for your share. It was amazing. I just wanted to know... Uh, if, if you can throw some light uh, on the relationship you have with your husband after this program and what changes do you see in you and your husband, if uh, my question is valid to be asked. So, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for your question. Of course, it's valid. Uh, what's my relationship with my husband like? Um, I don't know if you're referring to maybe you can be a little more Oh, sorry. Maybe it can be a little more clear. So you're referring to like the, the healthy sexuality yeah. or the... Yes, or the both, in both ways. In both ways. So, so I actually got into program right when I got engaged and I got a sponsor like a few days after I got engaged because I was so, so scared of, you know, divorce and, and everything. And I did not disclose to my husband prior to my marriage. Um, I did ask my mentors and, you know, a few other people in program, my sponsor, and they were okay with it. And I actually disclosed after my marriage. Um, um, for, for healthy sexuality and, and intimacy, I think what I, what I really, you know, what I really tried working on is, am I present right now and here? Whoop, Friday, we, we lost you for a little bit. Together and really focusing on that. And like, I, I'm not here for me. I'm not here for my physical pleasure. It's not about me. And and sometimes I'll give up that, uh, you know, I'm okay with giving that up. And um, it, it, it takes some time also, but like really learning to enjoy the, you know, just the moments of togetherness. In, in a sense of like, it's not about me, it's about us. It's about us together and really taking myself out of the equation and focusing on on him and, and how I could give to him was very helpful in the beginning, in early recovery. Like just putting myself in a mental state of like, I'm here to give to him. That's all. God's will is for me to give to him. And that's and that's what I did. And eventually we were, I was able to come to like a little more middle ground of like, it's, it's an exchange of both of us and, you know, coming together. And it's really beautiful. And I never thought it could be that way. Um, um, relationship wise, my husband actually just started a program of recovery of his own in, in a different fellowship. 
And it's actually been difficult, you know, to watch, to watch him doing his own program because here I was coming from, you know, my, my, my arrogance is coming up of like, I, I was here, I was doing program. I was so good. I was a growing individual. And then he's starting program. He's so strong in this program. And I was feeling a little inferior. And, um, but, but I did want to mention that our relationship, so it, it was a bit difficult because, because he was, he was an active addiction for, for two, three years. And, you know, it, it took some time for him to, you know, come to the realization that he needs his own program. Um, so it's, it, we're slowly coming to like a place of like, we, we love each other. We enjoy our time together and, and communication is slowly, you know, becoming better and better. And I hope it will, you know, continue to become better and better. Um, but it's, it's a growth in progress. Thanks, Tamil, for the, the question and Friday for the answer. We still have a few four more minutes, maybe two more questions. Hi, I'm Christine. I'm a recovering alcoholic. Uh, go ahead, Christine. Thanks. Hi. Um, thank you for sharing. Um, my question is, I love what you talked about, about acceptance and seeing that it's a process and I was just wondering how do you um continue to accept like certain things about yourself that you might find that are not so maybe um appealing to you like character defects or just things that continually get discovered to you as you continue to grow and change and recovery and how do you apply it once you discover it That's a hard question. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of a specific, I thought of a specific example. It's not necessarily a character defect. Um, I struggle with the trichotillomania, which is a hair pulling disorder. And for me that, you know, caused a lot of shame and, and, and a lot of, you know, self, self-hatred of like disgust of like, why am I doing this? This is crazy. Am I like an insane person? Like I belong in a psych ward, like what's going on? You know, if I would have been in, back in the 1800s, you know, I would have been, I would have been institutionalized or something like that. And I mean, besides for my sex addiction, but like, you know, for that. And, um, and, and it's like you said, it's, it's, it's a slow process of like, God loves me. God loves me despite this. And God, God did this to me. I mean, did this to me. He wanted me to go through this. And, and with, in, in regards to character defects as well, like, uh, it's not, I have a character defect. I am struggling lately a lot with, with anger around my daughter, just, you know, rage. And I know um, um, my, my parents have used abuse in the relationship to me as, as a child. And, and I've learned that abuse passes on. And slowly as my daughter's growing older, I'm becoming a little more challenging. I'm seeing certain aspects of myself that I really don't like. And um and I think what's really important and what I'm trying to do is compassion for myself because a lot of these character defects um, for me, especially are things that, that are generational that are, you know, it's learned behavior, it's learned behavior and it's coming. It's, it's not my fault that I have them. It's learned behaviors. And it's something that I need to move away, move, move away from. And I need to go towards, you know, acceptance towards compassion towards loving everyone around me towards tolerance um, and moving towards the asset that's, you know, the opposite of the, the defect. And it's a lot of compassion of like, yes, I have that. Yes, I have this rage. Yes, I sometimes get so frustrated that I want to like, you know, I can even say sometimes I want to kill her. Like, that's not true. And that is not true. And um, I love her so much when she's sleeping in bed and I go over to her and I just want to hug her and kiss her. And I'm like, I'm so sorry for what I did earlier, for what I thought earlier, what I said earlier. And um and, and some mornings it's just like, God, like, I'm so frustrated with her. Like, just help me. Even this morning, I remember this morning she woke up and she was just being in such impossible mood and she's going through her terrible twos now, which makes things like, like even, even worse. I'm just like, God, give me patience for two minutes. Give me patience for two minutes. Allow me to show her love just for two minutes till she gets out, till I move her. And, um, it, you know, slowly and and i think i repeated that prayer like five times or six times throughout this morning of just like god and then also having compassion towards myself very important of like this is my character defect right now but i'm i'm willing to acknowledge that this is my character defect and then once i acknowledge it i'm willing to let it go 
And, um, and yeah, am I, am I willing to let it go? Am I willing to let it go? That's the question I need to ask myself and then asking God, you know, to surrender that defect. Thank you. That's a great answer. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for the question. We have time for probably one more, maybe two short ones, but at least one more. Hi, my name's Lee and I'm a real sexaholic. And I've been uh, off video because I've been cooking. Uh, so now I'm back on video, but I've been listening. And I want to uh, just interject a, a piece of hope with family problems. Had a sponsee about 30 years ago came to the belief that he had to divorce his family, which was with many cousins, uh, parents, uh, siblings, and he had no contact with them. Uh, for about five to seven years, none whatsoever. And I remember uh, meeting him uh, at a football game to have his first contact with his father. Fast forward another 25, 30 years, he has had a remarkable uh, family relation. He was there for his mother, his father. He's been with his brothers. It's amazing. He did his work while he was away from them, and they got better. So uh, it's, uh, it's, an, it's amazing how much them others get better when I do my own work. So uh, it's, it's hope, and it, it will work out. Uh, and that's all I wanted to say, no matter how bad the family situation is. That's all I had to say. Thank you. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.